The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. President Trump has threatened to close our border with Mexico several times. The question is whether he'll actually carry out that threat this time. Last Thursday, Trump said Mexico has to stop the flow of undocumented immigrants into the U.S. or else. And if they don't stop them, we're closing the border. They'll close it and we'll, we'll keep it closed for a long time. I'm not playing games. Mexico has to stop it. Joining me is Leon Fresco of Holland and Knight. He was the assistant AG for the Office of Immigration Litigation at the Department of Justice. Leon, let's start with the legality before we get to the potential lawsuits. U.S. presidents have closed the border or parts of it four times in our history. The last time was by President George W. Bush after 9-11. Are there specific laws Trump could do this under, or is it just an aggressive use of executive powers? Well, there are two different ways he could do it. One, he can use the same authority he used in the travel ban statute, but to use it in a broader way. So as to say, I'm not going to allow non-citizens who uh, are trying to enter through the southern border to enter. Or he could do what he's kind of saying that they're doing anyway because of the staffing issues, which is just to sort of de facto close ports of entry along the southern border by rerouting people who are allocated to work at the ports of call to, quote-unquote, responding to the border surge at the border. And so then you necessarily need to close those ports of entries because they have no one left to staff them. And it seems like they're sort of trying to create that second de facto approach right now in terms of being able to say, well, this is why these lines are extremely long and or closed at at some of our, our ports of entry. Might that push more migrants who might have come across legally at the border post to coming across illegally? And is that the point, perhaps? Well, so this is the problem, is the administration has tried to say that the way people should apply for asylum is to come through the ports of entry and not to come illegally. But at the same time, the administration has also shrank the capacity for people to apply at the ports of entry. And so if you do that, then people have no other choice than to cross the border illegally and to apprehend themselves, essentially, to to say, I'm going to turn myself over to the Border Patrol so I can begin the process of applying for asylum. And, And that's how this crisis is different from everything we've seen in the last 30, 40 years, is it used to be that the Border Patrol would apprehend the people crossing. Now the people crossing apprehend the Border Patrol, and they say, I'd like to enter the system to apply for asylum. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So there will be lawsuits, perhaps from asylum seekers, green card holders, U.S. citizens, U.S. automakers. Which lawsuits would be the most viable? Well, first of all, if a U.S. citizen attempts to cross the border at a port of entry and is prohibited from doing that, that's a slam dunk case, as it is for the most part for a lawful permanent resident, which is why the administration went through three iterations of the travel ban is because they knew they couldn't actually block uh, people with lawful permanent residency, or even the the the, it, you know, it turned out they didn't even try to block people with visitor visas or any other kind of non-immigrant visas. So all of those statuses would most likely win, especially because the point is that the closure of the port of entries does nothing to stop people crossing between the port of entries. The idea is that you'd form some sort of a bank shot where you would tank the Mexican economy to such a level that maybe Mexico would take more seriously the need to enforce immigration law. But it's likely that at least until you got to the Supreme Court, that the courts would view that as too attenuated a reason to close the ports of entry. Because what you're doing is you're not closing the ports of entry like in 9-11 to stop a potential threat. You're closing it to create a response that you hope will come from Mexico, but you have no idea whether it will or will not. And what happens when you get to the Supreme Court where the justices upheld the second version or the third version of the Muslim ban? I think that even in that context, if it's a ban that actually prevents people who have legitimate trade and commerce at that point from coming through, First of all, if we've gotten all the way to the Supreme Court, that means that there's been a closure for such a long time that I would find that incredibly unlikely that we'd have a closure like that for such a long time because of the disruption that would be massive to the economy. But if theoretically we got to that point, I don't see that surviving for the legal reason that you simply don't have the compelling circumstance that would justify such an action, especially if so much time has passed and it's not triggered a response from Mexico, then at that point, why are you still doing it? So, Leon, how would this work on the ground, so to speak? Would the president just say, OK, we're closing the border patrols this, you know, today, we're closing the, the border posts? Well, I think you're going to see this incrementally. So I think you're going to see some ports already this week be announced that they're closed because what they're going to say is, look, we just don't have any staffing for these ports. And these will be smaller ports that don't have a lot of traffic. And they'll just say, look, we needed to divert these folks to come to the, the, the situation on the ground to process people entering. And then the question is whether you will start to see some of the bigger ports actually close down. I think you'll start to see along longer lines as they take staff out of some of these ports. And I think the hope will be that these longer lines trigger some action. If you were to see actual closure, then what you would see is, you know, let's take San Diego as an example. You have a very, 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 very large port of entry there that uh, connects Tijuana and San Diego. If you close down that port, I mean, you're talking about 
hundreds of thousands of crossers who would suddenly have no way of going back and forth between the United States and Mexico. And, I mean, that's, that's people, that's commercial trade, that's uh, tourism, that's all kinds of things that would just come to a standstill. Could they cure some of this by putting sort of emergency numbers of legal officials and judges and others to work to quickly process claims? Sure, to some extent. So some of this can be solved from an appropriation standpoint of just funding more of these individuals. But quite frankly, where the president has some you know, point here is that there will need to be congressional action to actually speed up the process of what it takes for someone who's applying for asylum to get a final decision in their case. Right now, all of the judicial proceedings then the precedents require basically three modes of review, two administrative and one judicial, and those modes of review can take up to years to, to happen. And so, yes, you can reduce some of the backlog, but even if you reduce some of the backlog with more officials, you, you might still have to take some further action to allow some group of these folks to be removed if they show basically no chance of winning an asylum claim. And we don't have that right now. We have this standard called credible fear, which basically 90% of people win. And so because 90% of people can win right up front with this credible fear standard, that means that they 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 articulate something some some version we'll have of to leave fear. it there leon it's it's a topic that deserves a lot of discussion certainly and legislation but that hasn't happened so that's leon fresco he is a partner at holland and knight thanks for listening to the bloomberg law podcast you can subscribe and listen to the show on apple Podcasts, soundcloud and on bloomberg.com slash podcast i'm june grosso this is bloomberg The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.